Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by three of my young colleagues. We're all about the same age, so you know you can take that to the bank. Um, Sam Forday from the Washington Post, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, and Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. Always enjoy having three of my co- these three of my colleagues on because I think each one of them gives a different perspective, and I wanted to pass that along to you. Now, this is a podcast I was supposed to run on Friday, but then there was some news that sort of disrupted the plans. With this podcast, we're going to get back to most, almost all on-the-field stuff, a little bit of ownership stuff, but mostly on the field. The, the commanders report for their spring workouts on Monday, the 17th. Now, what that means is this, it's mostly it's conditioning. So we're not, we're, not going to, we're not going to see them until I think it's May 24th or 25th at the earliest. That's when the OTA sessions begin where they get back on the field, and then we can go watch for one of those, we'll, we'll, we'll get to watch one OTA session each week. Anyways, they're coming back on Monday, so we're back to on-the-field stuff. The draft, quarterback, should they, If would, what does it signal if they go and draft a Hendon Hooker, for example? What would that signal to, to my colleagues? We talk about all that, so stay tuned for that. One little, one brief minute about the ownership situation. Until it's signed, it's not final. So, even though there's still the agreement, it's not finalized. So w- when that happens, then that becomes that that gets sent to the league for approval, sent to the finance committee. But right now, the, it, all it is, it's an agreement in principle with Josh, the Josh Harris group and the Dan, and Dan Snyder. But the Canadian billionaire, Steve Apostolopoulos, believes that he still has a shot. So I think until it's signed, sealed and delivered, then it remains open for someone else to kind of maybe wrestle it away from the Harris group. The Harris group does have the highest bid of those two. And so that's where it stands right now. So there's really no update. It's kind of, it's exactly what we talked about the other day, but I just wanted to pass that along. Now, one other thing too, and and we, I've talked about this a couple of times in regards to the rebranding and I've told you, you know, it's, um, they're going to have to wait because you can't just come in right away and do it again. That's not how it works. Uh, if they wanted to change a name. The one thing I'll say, and I don't know what these owners, what the new owners, whether it's Harris or Apostolopoulos, would they go out and change the name? I do know people here say they don't think it would happen. However, it would be up to the new owner to decide what direction they want to go. I will caution you. And I will just say that I think regardless of the name, what they have to do is set up a better organization. Because if you go out there and you're still doing you know, maybe not the off-field stuff, but you're not a good team, then I don't care what the name is. You're going to struggle to root for this team. 
you you know, people struggled to root for them when they were the Redskins in the last five, 10 years because of the owner and because it wasn't a good organization. The most important thing here is not the name. It's to set up the right organization. I get the attachment. I'm an Indians fan, have, getting used to the Guardians, but it's a good or, good organization. So it's a lot easier for me as a fan to go just go back and follow them. I get all that. But like I said, and I don't know what will happen with the new groups, which with, with whichever new group comes in. Um, if they want to change it, that's if they want to change it and they want to pay for all that and go through all the hassle again, hey, it's their dime. But I will say, I will go back to the number one thing they have to do is set up a good organization. So you guys can not only root for a team that wins, but one that you can enjoy following, just like those of you who are around for the Gibbs era and even the George Allen era. That's what you guys could do back then. That's what people haven't been able to do for a long time, regardless if it was the Redskins or the commanders. Anyway, so number one priority, set up a good organization, one that makes the fans proud. There you go. Now, stay tuned for my conversation with Sam Forty from the Washington Post, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, and Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know the largest ropes course and zipline park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Always my favorite group it's sam fortier and others welcome others <laughs> thank you 
And so for, the, for those who don't know, we had something from Ron Rivera that we posted an interview and it was, I think the description was John Kime, Sam Fortier and others talked to Ron Rivera. So yeah. Well, he, he I was the other, other and yeah, Matt wasn't was there. Not there. Yeah. Yes. I was at, Matt was I was at the Wizards. Yeah. Matt was, yeah. He was at the Wizards. <laughs> so, but anyways, guys, always enjoy when you coming on and, you know, um, just so people know, if you watch Succession, I think Matt Paris would be one of the disgusting brothers. Do you do we agree with that? Oh, yes. agree with that? Okay. yes, for yeah. sure. Who would be the other disgusting brother? Because I'm wondering, Paris, like Paris. I hope uh, Paris. I hope your Paris. I hope your girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say if there's a disgusting brother here, it ain't. <laughs> So, only single guy here. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> so I don't know who the other one would be. I mean, maybe, right. maybe Ben. I don't know. I think Ben definitely <laughs> yeah. fits in. Ben in Paris yeah. is the disgusting brother. That would be, that would be phenomenal. So anyway, Ooh. I don't know. Like, Sam, if this is a succession, you're probably Kendall because of his reliance on he would be a true media guy. Don't you think? Mm. Do you think? No, because wow. he'd, he'd be that, a true that media really guy. hurts my feelings. But he'd be a true media guy. I don't guy. think I have... I, I don't have nearly the number of daddy issues that, that Kendall has. No, but, but from uh, the true media perspective, he's a stats guy. <laughs> he's a stats guy. Anyway, I, I, I guess I guess we I can take that. All right. Anyway, I don't want to go off the rails with all that. We all like Succession, and I don't want to spoil anybody if they haven't watched it. Um, you know, um, but we all enjoy it. I think. Do you enjoy it, Pete, or are you just a kind of a you watch it? I'm a, I like it a lot, but Paris and Sam worship at the altar of it. And I'm just, oh, not, I'm just not there. <laughs> Pete, Pete does this thing where if anyone likes anything in culture, that's not golf or sports betting, he has to like insult it. So he's like, yeah, no, I know about <laughs> it. I'm cool. Yeah. But I just, I just don't love it. Yeah. Golf, yeah. sports betting and the chain smokers. That's not, that's not. <laughs> Those are my three pillars yeah, right there. There you go. You've got to throw that in there. I, I am a big fan as well. So in speaking of succession, because we kind of have that going on here. So I don't know, like, and I don't want to get into ownership a lot because I want to get on the field. And I was going to ask you guys this too, because I am curious, you know, whoever comes in, whoever it is, um, what is the top priority for a new owner? I just think for me, it has to be stadium because go ahead, Pete. Sam's Wi-Fi is slower than yeah, Lucas running the 40-yard dash, by the way, which is which is great for a podcast. I'll be quick, and then I'll kick it back to Sam. Um, I think it's just be a human. Be a human being who can be identified by the fans. And I know there's more serious things that will help advance the franchise, but be someone who does interviews, who doesn't hide behind others, who doesn't use others as shields, and just has a face that people can recognize and say, oh, there's a real flesh and bones and there's organs and blood and that is a person instead of this mythical awful creature running this team and that's a terrible description but i think a lot of people agree with that's how uh, snyder's been doing things i like pete said yeah obviously like being a a good faith stakeholder with with the public and, and trying to build the team the right way is is the number one priority um but in terms of, of business i think it has to be the stadium not only because fedex is is terrible um but also because like that, that's a huge economic driver um, for the league, for owners. Like what, what of the components of the Lamar Jackson talk that I, I did not understand not to go back there, but it was like, so an owner is going to, you know, save up basically his whole life to build up all the capital that he needs to like buy into a team. And then he's immediately going to come in and like 
make angry the 31 other coworkers that he now has. Right. Like that part of it never made sense to me. And the thing that would make the 31 other people the happiest with him that would get him the most capital is like doing a good stadium, getting this fan base back and like m- making this franchise carry its weight in, in the league circles. And so I think that would be the number one priority uh, because other billionaires want to see this thing make money because that makes them money. And one of the things with the stadium, obviously the place that would resonate the most is RFK, which still hurdles there, but that's the place that would resonate the most. Don't yeah, you? absolutely. And I, and I think like, I think that that's still, even though there are hurdles, I think that's definitely on the table. Um, if not the leader. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think it's interesting. Good. All right, that's it. Let's move on. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining Paris. See you next that, time. Totally fine. I was just going to ramble. So, no, go that's, ahead. Uh, oh, well, I was going to say, if it is Josh Harris, it is interesting to see what's happening in Philadelphia with him at the moment, trying to build a, a stadium downtown in Chinatown and, and seeing the opposition for that. I think there would still be hurdles with RFK, but I do think the stadium is the top priority, but there are also interesting football decisions depending on when this happens. Like what does the new owner think about Chase Young's fifth year option? I'm kind of really interested in what they do there. And I, and I think the biggest, to me, a big thing has to be regaining the trust of the, of the fan base, all this stuff. And it kind of encompasses all the things you say, because it goes to winning, it goes to stadium, it goes to what Pete said, kind of being a guy that is running it. Like, I think there's been a wearing down because of all the scandals, obviously, and how much of that has turned people away for good. And, you know, can you win those people back? How? And just like be a professional franchise. Sam, you had something? Yeah, like, and and this is a totally open question that I have no insight into. But do we think that Josh Harris has a take on Ch- on Chase Young's fifth year option? Like, no. If Ron it's Rivera like- went up to Josh Harris today and was like, "What do you think, man?" Like, would Josh Harris have an opinion? No. I think somebody with him might. You know, I think that's the thing you don't know. You, they're they're clearly you're going to buy this. You're going to know a lot about what you're getting into. But I think it's more so from the standpoint. To Matt's point is. You're going to go to them and say, this is our, you know, if you're if you're Ron Rivera, you go to them and say, this is our plan for Chase Young. Do you agree with this or not? And just lay out the vision. And I think then, you know, because there are some owners who might say, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just pick up Chase Young's option? Ah, Because I think you have to explain to them, if you don't pick it up and he has a really good year, then you franchise him. And then this is the cost of the franchise. So you could save four to six million dollars right now by tagging by the fifth year option versus the tag. That's where I think they might say, well, then you know they may have an opinion based on that information. But if you're buying a team for six billion dollars, is that four to six million dollar transaction like is that something that you have strong thoughts on? Maybe it is. It just I, seems like the economics don't make sense there. Billionaires don't, don't give away money easily. Sure. That, I, I wouldn't. Know. I don't give it away easily. Yeah. No wonder you're never buying lunch for us in the media room, you cheapskate. <laughs> no. Appreciate those deals on the side, Kim. I won't let the others know. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I think it goes beyond like the money thing. I, I, I think it's who Chase Young is as a player. He's one of the, the faces of the franchise. And if you do turn down that option, I think you're kinding setting the table for him to leave eventually, even if you have to franchise tag him. So it. It's just more of the optics of it, and the next owner is going to want to understand the optics, and if you can right. clear those optics ahead of the decision, I think that really helps. Yeah, and I, I agree with it. Since and let's let's now get to the field because again, that's where I think people want to keep because there's only so much you can talk about 
ownership because it's not settled. And even though I think we all think we know who it would be, we don't know it's not settled. So they come back for workouts starting on Monday. What going through the spring, what are some of the things that you guys are most interested in seeing and learning about this team? Pete? Well, number one, to tie it into the last conversation, will Chase Young be there? And is he able to do everything? I'm assuming he will be able to do everything because he played in three games to end last year. But when uh, Kime, Fortier, and others caught up with Rivera at that memorial event recently, <laughs> we talked about Chase Young's health. And he said, yeah, that's something we want to monitor, which caught my ear like, wait, we're still monitoring this? This isn't closed? This part of the book isn't closed? So will Chase Young be there? And is he doing everything? And I know it takes a while for football stuff to begin, but Chase Young's just involvement. And also the howell Brissett dynamic. Um, I Again, this is something that will probably be more telling come training camp, but is Howell getting everything? Are they making him quote unquote earn it? Is Brissett taking anything with the first team guys? Like just, just the early tells of Rivera's true feelings about the quarterback battle if there's a battle if there's anything I don't anticipate a battle um, but Rivera does tend to flip-flop on the the opinion and the the statements he gives when it comes to talking about who's going to be this team's quarterback Maddie <laughs> yeah I, I'm interested <laughs> to see how Sam Howell develops I mean this is more of a training camp thing too but his footwork I, I think watching Sam Howell last year during camp the footwork at times was just you know, a, kind of a mess. And so, um, you know, he's made strides in that area apparently, but I'm just kind of interested to see if you continue to see that potential. And I'm kind of interested to see how the offensive line shakes out. Yeah. Where does Nick Gates play? I mean, does Andrew Norwell even show up after Rivera seemingly <laughs> forgot about him <laughs> two weeks ago? I don't think he forgot about him. <laughs> just a hunch. <laughs> sure but well that's the thing they're gonna have to make that move at some point right. if they do i mean it's you know but i there you could have a lot of possibilities with this o-line and uh just interested to see kind of how that shakes out as well schematically i think you know you guys sit on the top three chase young quarterbacks offensive line to me it'll be about this will be our first glimpse of Eric Bieniemy on the field with this mm -hmm. team. And obviously he has a reputation for being a hard coach, really hammering the details, even in April, like is, is, you know, in May, is he still getting after these guys? And how do these guys respond to that? Because Scott Turner was obviously a more laid back, uh, you know, manager type. And I think that if oh, Eric no. Bieniemy is going to be what? I don't know if that's true, I, man. I wouldn't I say that. I, I don't know. <laughs> So many inside jokes on this podcast that nobody else will understand. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that was that was Pete's impersonation of of Scott, which I think is is not too far off. No, yeah. Uh, and and also like just how does Eric Bieniemy make all these pieces fit together, right? Like offensive line, quarterback that that's all really important, and obviously those those parts could change after the draft. Um, but I think we know what to expect from Jack Del Rio, and and the defensive personnel is is probably not going to change all that much. So the offense. How is Eric Bieniemy going to cook? That's the that's the question I have. Yeah, and I I'm with you. Like I'm anxious to see him when we can because we're not going to be able to watch them or be around them until well actually the rookie mini camp is the first chance we'll be actually around the coaches, which is I think I think May twelfth we'll May twelfth right, and then the OTA that we can go to is later in May, so we won't see that. But that is something that I'm curious to hear about and to 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 monitor because. It is, and I think just the life that he can inject into this offense and the confidence that players start to gather throughout this process. Because I think change brings will bring some of that and how much will that help? But then Howell's progression is going to be everything. And, you know, is there anybody else that doesn't show up? You know, Cam Curl, 
He's up for an extension. You know, Montez Sweat up for an extension. We saw Deron Payne and Terry McLaurin handle that differently last year, and both were eventually taken care of. And of course, uh, just how does the, you know, going back to Paris, the O-line, how do they transition further into life without Eric Flowers? I think it's it's a huge question on all of our minds. Can they survive without Eric Flowers? And, listen, <laughs> and for that analysis, we bring in Bill Callahan on the eve of Thanksgiving. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and here's a little inside joke on that. So on yeah, Thanksgiving, sorry. what year was that? 2019. And we, yeah. you know, we have a conference call with, we didn't have to go out to practice. So it's essentially, you can go be with your family or whatever. And you want, like, but they said, we'll get a conference call with Bill Callahan. And you're thinking a couple minutes, all you're going to ask about is, did anybody get hurt on the field today? What's the injury report? And then we get through a couple of those and we're like, all right, we're good. And then Pete throws one right down the middle of Callahan's wheelhouse, which is about like, what would you say? Like how, what kind of a season there's Eric Flowers having? Well, he knows he loves flowers and he speaks for like two minutes on it. Yeah, Kime was like ready to slice the turkey and I'm just <laughs> I'm just lobbing up meatballs to Bill Callahan and, and uh, everybody's pissed off. I was just trying to prove to him and to the rest of the reporters, this was early in my career, that I took this gig seriously, that holidays didn't even matter to me. But apparently that wasn't like the cool thing. Yeah, to do. No, that was that was. Yeah, that, you were, there were you three got people fine. that there were three people that Bill Callahan loved that year. Adrian Peterson, Eric Flowers and John Kime. That was. Well, yep. there were, and I will say, because he would always call my name. He would always like reference my name, like, well, John. And I knew so there were times I would ask a question just so he would do that. And it would kind of tweak Les Carpenter a little bit, just yes, in a funny was. way. But I would do like, I know he's going to say my name, so I'll just do it to tweak Les a little bit. And it worked. So, And there were always legitimate questions, except for Eric Flowers on Thanksgiving. Anyway, yeah. let's get back to quarterbacks. So because of... You know, we, we've heard all about Sam Howell, but we also know that they that, as Ron said, they will not they're not um, against taking quarterback in the first round. Don't think that's likely. Don't think that's going to happen. But they are having Hendon Hooker in for a visit quarterback. What would that tell you if they end up getting a guy like Hendon Hooker or someone else earlier in the draft? What is that? What does that signal to you? And do you think that's how realistic? I don't think it's super realistic. I think that like. Tanner McKee and that level of prospect, the kid out of Stanford, Stanford and like the third, third, fourth round, like that makes sense to me. If they take Hendon Hooker or anyone else in the first or second round, I think that would be a pretty strong uh, indictment that uh, of of their quarterback room. And I know that Ron has said two similar but like a, a kind of conflicting things all year, which is. We love Sam Howell. Look at him beat a playoff team in, the, in his first game. We, we love his potential. We're so in. Also, we have no fear in starting Jacoby Brissett. And it's like, wait, if you really believe in Sam Howell that much, shouldn't you not be saying that about Jacoby Brissett? But obviously, like, it really makes sense under the organizing principle of this offseason, which is like, we will do whatever it takes to win the most number of games in 2023 possible. And so, like, those two statements make sense under that. Uh but, like, if they drafted a quarterback in the first or second round, particularly one that is coming off an ACL or one that needs more development, like Anthony Richardson, not that I think that he'll be there. But, like, if you did that, I, it would not make sense to me with with the rest of the things that you have done. And uh, I would really question the, the direction and cohesion of the vision. And I don't think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. I think, I think it would have to be one of the top two guys falls to 16, which isn't going to happen. So they're not going to do it. 
I think Hooker would be interesting because he probably he may not even you know who knows when he'd be ready. So Howell still gets the call, but you still have a guy in reserve. Is and uh, you know if you look at this franchise, they haven't had a good quarterback in how long. Does this help you find one? But there's a lot of things to it. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I think with Hooker specifically, the ACL injury makes it uh, complicated. I think it's more just to the teams behind Washington in the draft order. Ooh, we're interviewing this quarterback that you guys may really want to get in the 20s or something. If you want to get him at 16, you better jump in front of us. Well, or Hooker's not a first-round option for them. I But maybe his quarterbacks rise, whatever. Like right. I, I think it's just, you know, the Vikings, there are some teams behind Washington in the draft order. So it's just creating an illusion. And sure, maybe it's prepping if he somehow gets to the second round at 47. Like then the, the conversation might change. But I think with him and Washington, it's just – trying to create some waves around the league, maybe strengthen their uh, ability to trade back when the the draft actually begins. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback on day one or day two because it would make Rivera's previous statements about how look foolish and he doesn't like to look foolish. And also it just, they need more players who can help right now because Rivera's future is pretty undecided and drafting a guy who needs to sit around and, and learn things is not going to benefit him in the, in the near term. I think one scenario I could see is if they traded, let's say they get second round and they trade back or pick up an extra second round pick late, then you could look at that. Well, is that a bonus pick? Then, you know, so like, cause I agree with you. I think the other scenarios, I don't see it, but I think if you somehow, if he falls in the third round, which probably is unlikely, but you don't know, or you get an extra second round pick maybe, but you know, Matt, what, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I think there are also concerns with how, uh, Hooker also adjusts to the NFL in terms right. of schematic stuff. I mean, Tennessee's offense, it, it was really efficient for them, but how does that translate to a pro level? Uh, and, you know, the age is also weird. You know, he, he's older than Jalen Hurts, <laughs> which is, right. it, there are a lot of guys. It, I He just seems like a developmental piece. And while that's maybe interesting, it's not interesting in the first round and it doesn't jive with, Washington needing to win now. So yeah, yeah, maybe quarterback later in the draft. But I also think like, do you guys think it, if they take a quarterback in the third or the fourth round, I mean, that's higher status technically than where Hal went. So does that undercut Hal drafting higher if it's the third or fourth round versus a fifth rounder from a year ago? I don't think it does because of how they rated Hal. Right. They think, and, and but I do like, I'm kind of of that of that Ron Wolf philosophy, which is you know you always keep taking swings at that position. So, what do you think, Sam? Well, I mean, it is it's it's nice that they had Hal rated highly, but they didn't take him until the fifth round. Yeah, but at the same true. time, like he's been he's been in the league. Uh, I, I think he he has shown them something. They've seen him in the building for a year, so it's hard for me to imagine that a guy in the third or fourth round is a rookie, right. no matter how much they like him, even if he like. Tanner McKee worked with the quarterbacks coach at Stanford and would have some level of familiarity with like the scheme being um, implemented and, 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 you know, them having a familiarity. I just can't see one of them leapfrogging both Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell, like the young guy and, and the steady veteran, no matter who it is. Um, And, and I think, I think they also like, like this sort of reminds me of the start Sam Howell crowd, like in, in week 16 or whatever it was against Cleveland, like, you have to consider the locker room here. Like, I don't think that like a veteran team that knows that they need to win now is going to be like, would be super fired up to start a, a rookie quarterback unless he no. comes into training camp and looks like that dude. 
Right. And I think that's the, that'll be the interesting thing between Howell and Brissett, because what if Brissett just looks that much better, even though they want to see Howell win the job, if Brissett looks that much better and these guys might say, Hey, what do you think, Pete? Yeah, I think it, it's very necessary for Howell to come out. Um, Ron likes to espouse that all the teammates really like Howell. And I believe that Howell in the locker room last year was very serious, always on his iPad. Like he wasn't like Taylor where he'd go around and chat up with Jeremy Reeves and then hang out with the tight ends and then be putting on that little practice putting green. Like he was more just kind of to himself. But I think that that approach meshes with the offense, McLaurin's, the, the Dotsons of the world, like they're very about their business. So I think Howell has respect of the players. And maybe they did see some stuff in practice that makes them believe, wow, this guy's really good and just needs his chance. Uh, if it doesn't start out that way and Brissett, I don't think Brissett's going to look like an all pro, but if he just looks more steady, then yeah, when does Ron switch? But uh, Kyle, I just want to ask you, I'm sure you've said this on previous pods. So excuse me, but do you want, do you think they should draft for that third quarterback or do you think signing one would be the the better way? Because yes, you want to take, keep taking swings, but the sheer numbers show that like a, a day three quarterback just so unlikely that he becomes anything notable. So like, sure you want, is it just worth playing the lottery because you want to play the lottery or would you rather take a, a cornerback there that can help? I you? would take a guy that I like. So I'm not taking a quarterback just to take one. If there's one there that you like, which what they did with Howell, what San Francisco did with, um, with uh, Purdy, you know, somebody that you like that things could develop in your offense. Yes. I would, I would probably take them. I don't, I'm not going to, I would never force it with a quarterback. Cause one of the things, and I had Greg McElroy on last week on the podcast. And his point was he didn't think there were any quarterbacks that had like some sort of special skill that the ceiling was higher. So like he wasn't sure that it would be worth developing some of those guys as anything other than a backup, which mm -hmm. you still need down the road. Cause it, you know um, but I would only take one if you feel like, like even like in hooker's case, if you pick up an extra second round pick later in the second round, Say, okay, you've got a little bit of, you got some extra money to spend, so to speak, and some extra draft capital. There, I would might do it because if you think he could develop down the road, and this is a franchise that hasn't had that guy, then okay. And if he, and if how went, and if how goes out and plays lights out, you got your guy. And now you got a backup that either you can trade or work with in that role. And then, you know, who knows? How then has to get paid in a few years. Um, maybe you got your guy to, you know, who knows? Like there's all sorts of scenarios, but I just like this, I've covered enough really bad quarterbacks here to know that, are you ever done searching for that guy? And the answer here has been, no, you're not. Because mm -hmm. even when they had guys, they didn't last. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you automatically Fair. take one? I don't automatically take I, one. I only yeah, take one. I would, I would take one. I would take one later at the draft. I, I think they have bigger needs, even still in the third and fourth round, that I would rather address tight end. I think running back, frankly, is a position that they should really look at the draft. It doesn't necessarily even need to be that JD McKissick role because I think Antonio Gibson did that really well last right. year. So um, I would look there than just a third developmental quarterback. I I think if they've really put. They've committed to Hal and Brissett. They should just mostly stick with that. But they're going to need a third quarterback because this team has played more than two quarterbacks for the last. They always do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that that's life. I But I think that's worth it over a guy we haven't mentioned, uh, Jay Fromm. So. Right. Who's always been a practical guy. <laughs> and Steven Montez was somewhere sitting there, sitting out there waiting for that call. But it's just I'm going to make people roll their eyes, but I know, like, 
the analytical approach is is unless you are convinced that you have your dude, if you have a Burrow or a Mahomes or whatever, you should always draft one. And, right. and like I know that the the super like analytical people would say that you take one in the first round every year. Like if you're the Dolphins and you had two and you weren't convinced after him, you should have just taken one anyway. I don't know if I go that far, but like it, it just you know when you take Robert Griffin the third in the first round and then you take Kirk Cousins a little bit later, Kirk Cousins ended up panning out. Or or like with the Patriots, and I know that obviously Tom Brady is a super aberrational example, but like they had three or four quarterbacks and they drafted a couple late before. But I just think you can never take enough swings. I think there are a bunch of positions like that, corner, um, receiver. Like Edge you can rusher. always use more. But like quarterback is the most important position in the game. So like Kyle said, like if you even like the dude a little bit and you're in the sixth or seventh round and you had like a third on him, which I think is what the Patriots had on Brady, like – I, I just don't think that you can pass them up for, for, you know, for nothing. Right. I agree with that. I I definitely agree with that. And again, it's the Ron Wolf philosophy. It's how they ended up with Aaron Rodgers when they had Brett Favre and, you know, and they, you know, Jordan Love. I mean, it's that same philosophy. So we only got about five minutes left. Is there a position where, you know, looking at the first round, first couple of picks, what do you think? Where do you think they go? Is there a surprise? Because I think we all look at O-line and cornerback, but is there a surprise position you might anticipate in those first couple rounds? We think I keep I, I keep going back to tight end. And you know, on one hand, the enemy thrived with the tight end in Kansas City, but on the other hand, he thrived because it was the greatest tight end ever. Like, does he was that because his offense needs a tight end or because he had the greatest tight end ever? Would he rather structure this unit around three receivers and then some talented running backs? And would a tight end just be fine if it's Logan Thomas or a guy in the fourth round? Does he need a uh, Dalton Kincaid, uh, the Notre Dame guy, Darnell Washington. So tight end and corner are the two positions I keep saying I anticipate most in the first round. Um, but as I get closer, I begin to wonder what does Biennemi value the tight end position as, and, and will he force it because he doesn't have Kelsey here? So uh, the, the tackle position is interesting. I don't know if you know, it feels like there's two who are worthy of like the top 10, top 12 picks, and then maybe some who are in the 20s and the commanders are kind of right in between what they reach, what they want to trade back. So, but I feel great about one of those three. And if it's not one of those three, that would catch me off guard for sure. Maddie P? Yeah, I've kind of been saying all along, if one of those tackles falls, do they, you know, jump on it? Uh, you know, Charles Leno is fine, but you can cut him at a very affordable number i think they would save eight million doing so so you know that's a position i would look at it rather than just uh, you know op- that's part of the offensive line but i think when we talk about offensive line we mean guard or center um oh no i think all of them yeah sure but i'm um, yeah but they have if they don't take one in the first round you know they'll be fine with charles i know right uh, right i think it gives them some insurance they can go in any yes. direction i but, i um, still oh sorry sorry Matty P. I, I think corner and O line, even even if they trade back, I still think those are are you know the the likeliest targets. And if you don't get one of the top two corners, I think that maybe Joey Porter Jr. or Deontay Banks could be there. But but a surprising position, I don't know if it'd be a surprise, but uh, one that would not fit those two. And I guess you could say that Brian Branch is a slot corner, but I think he does kind of the slot overhang stuff that that they really like and. And he would fit in well, you know, and he would create a competition with Percy Butler, you know, I think for that third safety with with Cam and Derek Forrest. And so I think that he he makes a lot of sense. And whether you classify him as a quarter or not would would make that a surprise. Yeah, And I like him. I wonder if he's at 16. Is that high for him or not? I think it's, I think it's definitely high for him. Yeah. 
But, but, but I think if you trade back, I think that's a, you know, what about, because another thing that you can never have enough of are pass rushers. Doesn't mean even an edge guy could be a linebacker knows how to rush the passer that, you know, but I don't know that you go there in the first round. I think I'm with you. I think tackle or O-line and corner in the first round makes the most sense. There are some, but like this draft has, you can go into the third round, fourth round, get some tight ends. Same with corner. You can go a couple rounds tackle. There are some guys that you can get there in the second round. So for what they could use, I think it matches up well. So any, any final thoughts here, guys, we got about two minutes. Um, appreciate you guys coming on. Always one of my favorite podcasts to do Sam and others. And I think I can get some t-shirts made for that. <laughs> that would be, that would be fantastic. But any final thoughts here as we wrap it up? My parting shot, uh, Joey Forger <laughs> Jr. would be William Jackson III 2.0 if they try to force him to play zone. Don't draft Joey Porter Jr. <laughs> if you're not going to let him be a complete man island guy. Pete Haley's signing off. Wow. I, 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 I would have to one. say that in classic Pete Haley fashion, he just didn't watch enough tape. Because if you go back to his junior year, he actually played a ton of zone. And I think he would fit in fine. I think schematics is not a concern. Is that why your Wi-Fi was so bad? Because you're watching all this tape? Because, yeah, you kind of ruined the start of the podcast. So. <laughs> Go, my parting shot, going back to uh, the ownership stuff real quick. If Stephen Apostolopoulos buys a team, I think we should call him the Greek Stephen A. And we can play it up as a caricature of Stephen A. Smith, but a Greek version and do... An eccentric Greek accent. There we go. <laughs> All right, Paris. It's, All right, way uh, to finish. Way to finish that on a high note, there, Paris. <laughs> That's incredible. Sam, good yeah. luck topping that. My, uh, my 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 party shot is is no one brought it up except for Kime, but but I have a, a green jacket on. I have a, a green poker hat on, and I have the green lights on because with all this ownership talk, I woke up feeling like money. All right, there we go. That was That's another bit. <laughs> Pete, I appreciate your final parting shot there. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, great stuff, guys. Always enjoy it. And you guys are you guys are the best. So appreciate you coming on. Time, we love you. Anytime. I don't know if I'll go that far. I, I will. I will go that far. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, Sam Fortier from the Washington Post, and Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Looking, probably looking ahead to the draft. Don't know yet, but I think that's where we're going to go because it's right around the corner, folks. Talk to you next time.